Welcome, Nexus Church Online family, to our series in the book of Mark, simply titled Mark. Over the course of this year, we've been taking a look at the book of Mark, and over this summer, we've simplified it and taken it piece by piece and examined what exactly it looks like to follow after Jesus. I love the book of Mark. It is full of stories. It's full of teachings that Jesus did for us, his followers. And it is my hope and prayer that as you followed along and listened on your own, that this encourages you, challenges you, and maybe even brings you some comfort in your life in this world that we find ourselves in. And so if you would like more information about uh, who we are as Nexus Church or would like to give online, uh, you can go to nexuschurchmn.com. Uh, that's all one word, nexuschurchmn.com. And we'll have all the information there for you. Uh, you can also follow us along on Facebook if you are on Facebook at Nexus Church MN. You can also uh, email us at nexuschurchmn.com at gmail.com, Facebook messages, uh, do whatever works for you so that we can connect and help you in your journey in following Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to another week in our series in the book of Mark that I titled, More Heart and Less Attack. Today, we'll be reading a, a passage from where Jesus attacks the religious elite. So this seems to be kind of a reoccurring theme in the book of Mark. Uh, maybe Mark had an issue with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the Levitical people of his day, but I think it just happens to be this is who had issue with Jesus the most, and he had to deal with them quite a bit. And so today, as we read this passage from Mark chapter 7, uh, we're going to be examining the, the interaction Jesus had with these men in determining that our motives, what, what goes on inside of us, is really what's important. It's what God looks at. If you... Remember the story of David. If you don't know the story of David, he lived in the Old Testament. And when, when Samuel approached him, we have this beautiful example of what really matters. God's not looking for the height, the power, the, the beauty or the physique of a person or the mental capability. He's looking at the heart. And so today, as we look at these men, and we hear how Jesus approached them in a very harsh way, we're going to examine ourselves. And it is my hope that, that you won't feel attacked by this passage, or that there is, there is somehow that the pastor is always trying to uh, make somebody uh, an evil person and trying to correct them. No, it's just a, it's a pure desire for you to have connection with God because these men that we're about to read were far, far from God, but the rest of the world 
looked at them and thought they were okay. They thought they were the ones that we need to emulate and go after and become. But as Jesus looked at them, he saw their heart. And he says, I know who you are. You are far from God. And you will not make it to be with God, the Father in heaven for all of eternity. Because you are not following him. You're following yourselves. And that's not okay. And so let's open up to Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23, and, and just read through it, and then come back and dissect it, and then apply it to ourselves, and answer that question ourselves of, how am I with God? Where am I at? Am I okay? Am I okay? So verse 1 of Mark 7. The Pharisees and some of the scribes, what I've been calling the religious elite, who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around him, and that is Jesus. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean hands, that is, unwashed. And then in parentheses, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, easy for me to say, keeping the tradition of the elders. Come back to that. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. And so the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? And he answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. That's right. A hypocrite is a person who put on a mask and acts act like they were somebody else, right? You hypocrites. You acting and pretending to be somebody you're not. This people, now this is quoting from Isaiah, honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Abandoning the commands of God, you hold on to human tradition. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's commands in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of his father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corbin, though it is an offering devoted to God. You no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. Let's just pause for one second, right? They created a way of living that elevated their beliefs over God's commands, Right? They're, they were supposed to take, their take care of their father and mother, and instead they gave what was supposed to cover for their needs and gave it to God and said, we're doing the right thing. Now, that's a pretty, you know, loyal and worthy thing to do, but they were disobeying God, and that was first and foremost the issue. Continuing on, summoning the crowd again after he just gave these religious elite a little spanking on the butt, he told them, listen to me, 
all of you, and understand nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him again about the parable. He said to them, are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? Or it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. And thus he declared, all food's clean. And he said, what comes out of a person and what is what defiles him, for from within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil, actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things, all these evil things come from within and defile a person. So much in that passage that just we could go on for a long time. But we begin with a question. The question that caused these religious elite to be so angry. Why? Why are your disciples not obeying the law of the elders? These people who have been put in place as religious authorities that govern our daily lives and keep us right with God, right? That's what these elders were supposed to be. They were passed down from generation to generation, these teachings that were to guide the church, the Jewish church. Why? Why are they disobeying? You guys know it. It's been passed on from generation to generation. Every kid has to learn about them. Why? Why? Where did that come from? Where, where did they get lost is the first question that I asked myself as I was studying this. What, what is this law of the elders and where did it come from? We, we know that, uh, that they thought that washing the hands was like the, some religious uh, way that we are continuing to be right with God. Like, clean hands, clean spirit with God. You're good to go, right? Like, that's what they're thinking, right? But it comes from Exodus 30, verses 17 through 21. And there's other passages, too, that you can relate to. This was the clearest one that I thought was important to, to look at. And so, Exodus 30, verse 17 through 21. The Lord spoke to Moses, Make a bronze basin for washing and a bronze stand for it. Set it between the tent of the meeting and the altar and put water in it. Okay, so they have a hand-washing statement or a place is what that statement was saying. Aaron and his sons must wash their hands and feet from the basin. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister by burning an offering to the Lord, they must wash with water so they will not die. They must wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a permanent statute for them, for Aaron and his descendants throughout their generations. Quite simply put, when they were to offer up a sacrifice to God, the priests were to wash their hands. 
They were to be clean of any defilement when they offered up that, we'll say, goat or sheep in this instance. It was a sheep, right? It was a lamb. So when they offered up that lamb, they had to have clean hands because, of course, they would have had to have killed the lamb and done all the proper things to make it a perfect sacrifice. So when they offered that, they were to have washed their hands of all those things they did to present it to God. This was a ceremonial thing. Somewhere along the lines, these elders have passed down this changing oral tradition that was a law that God gave to Moses. They had changed it. Because it was an oral tradition, they had changed it to the place where now everybody had to wash hands no matter what they did as far as offering a sacrifice or consuming food themselves. This was not what God had commanded. He never mentioned this to anybody. Really, washing hands is a good thing to do. I'm not trying to tell you today that washing hands is stupid, and neither is Jesus. But this is how people get when religion becomes their God instead of God as their God. They've created laws to make themselves special. They got to the point where man was more important than God. They changed God's law to fit their preferences. They elevated the wisdom of man over God. This is dangerous. And this is, this is something that happens in every, every religion and every sect of Christianity where there is a line at some point especially in Christianity, where, where it goes from a, a faith that is based upon trusting God to what we do for God, right? It's, a, it's a, just a small little change of, of your mind of Jesus has done it all, and out of that, I want to live my life for Him to a, I'm part of God's family. And because I'm part of God's family, I need to do things for Him, for Him to accept me. There's a switch there. And that's what had happened to the Jewish people. They were God's chosen people. They didn't do anything to deserve it. And now they were thinking that, well, in order to be a follower of Yahweh, we must in order to be right. And yes, there was things that God asked them to do, and that was part of the Ten Commandments, but that was out of a heart of a love for God in a way that they wanted to give themselves to God because of what He's done in accepting them as the chosen people. So they got off track. They got cold towards God. We all can fight that battle from time to time, maybe monthly, maybe weekly, maybe daily, maybe hourly, where we fight this battle of propelling ourselves up as the authoritative figure over God and, and making ourselves as determiner of what we do or we don't do instead of God. We elevate ourselves. 
And that's what we see in our story, in our passage for today. Is a religious elite got to the point where it didn't matter what God said anymore. They were set on their ways. They were cold and they were calloused. And Jesus comes in as one who does good. Up to this point, we've read of him raising people from the dead, healing multiple people, creating this massive move of, of lives being changed, transformations happening, restorations happening. Jesus was doing so many good things, and these people were, they couldn't handle it. They were so cold, they were so turned off from the heart of God that they, they hated him. And now they're looking at him, and they're seeing everything he does as evil. They're calling what is good, evil. And what is evil, they call good. They were so messed up. Their hearts were so cold. And they look and Jesus' disciples aren't washing their hands before they ate. Maybe they had good reason. Maybe they didn't have access to it. I don't know. But Jesus looks at him and says, what's going on? I see this in, in, in so many people's hearts, this coldness, this, you have to do it our way. And if you don't do it our way, you're just not good enough. Get away. We don't want you to be a part. And I think the world looks at Christianity a lot like that. If you don't act like us or, or believe like us or vote like us, you're all of a sudden this enemy that we don't want nothing to do with. That's the way Christianity comes across. That's not what God wants. This reminds me of a, of a gentleman just last week. I was doing a kid's class, our, our youth squad we call it, as teenagers and a little bit younger kids that, that come together and we train them how to, to use their bodies in a way that, 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 that can help them to develop and make the most out of their bodies. And so it is a form of CrossFit, but it's not crazy stuff that maybe you think of when it comes to CrossFit. But we're just, we like to go out in the park during the summer months, and we just use the park kind of as our playground for working out. And it's, it's okay, right? We, we have okay from the city to do these things, and they understand that, that that's what we're doing. So we have the freedom to go there. Uh, well, part of our, our warm-up is we just we like to get moving and just do basic little uh, exercises and running and all that kind of stuff just to get our heart rates up and to get the kids excited for what's happening that day. And so part of what we've always done, again, we utilize the playground and then we utilize some of the park area. And part of that is we like to run on the picnic tables. Now, that wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of running on picnic tables, partly mainly because I don't want some kid uh, tripping or getting hurt with them. But after a while, I realized that the kids absolutely love it. And simply, we just jump on top of them and run back down, right? Just up and down, and we go and keep running. Well, this past week, after doing this for I don't even know how many years he's been, uh, my coach has been doing this, uh, I was running with my class, and we were going out and <laughs> As we were running, after we had just went over the picnic tables, I get a guy in a truck who flags us over, and, and he's just driving along, and I'm like, oh, it's the city. Okay, you know. And I look in, and the guy was just this look on his face and this, this kind of disgust in his voice. He says, don't run on our tables again. I was like, oh, 
oh, okay. And we just kept running on. But afterwards, and I was just processing it because it really, there was just something about it that kind of made me sad. And I know the guy, and, and so maybe that had something to do with it because I know his character, and I know that this is part of who he is. And, and he carries himself around with this, this scowl on his face. And, and things just has to be done his way, or it's just stupid, right? And maybe you know people like that where they just have a certain way of carrying themselves and everybody else is just kind of, you know, dung that they don't want to deal with. And then that was, as I was processing that and I was reading this story and prepping for this week, it, it just really connected with me. That's how these religious elite looked at Jesus' disciples with this, this tone of degradation in their voice and this looking down upon and you can't do that. Right, like these kids aren't going to hurt some old wooden picnic tables that I can't even lift on my own, right? Like these things are old. They've been there forever. They're dirty. Our feet aren't going to make them any worse, right? It was just that mentality of you can't do that around here in my stuff, right? That was a southern accent, probably not quite that way up here. But <laughs> the point is, is that's the kind of heart that I see in so many people, especially in Christians. And it's not the heart of God. That's not what God wants. Yes, God is a God of perfection, and in His presence there can be no evil. I get that. I understand that. That's what a holy and just God is. But God is also a God of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And when He looks at the people, He says, that's not my heart. My heart isn't about degrading people, looking down upon people, having hearts of excommunication if you don't fit my mold. God is a God of love. God of mercy. In fact, listen to what, what Jesus said to these disciples or these religious elite in Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. This is exactly what I pictured when I saw that man's face and heard that word, those words come out of his mouth. This is what I envisioned was this passage. Woe to you, Pharisees. You hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of bones of the dead and every kind of impurity, right? On the outside, you're just this, this beautiful place that, that makes it look like this person has the most beautiful place to rest in, but inside, it doesn't matter how beautiful it is, inside, it's still dead people in there. You're still rotting away. You don't look like you did when you were alive. He goes on to say, in the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Right? There, there's something inside that's wrong. You want to appear to have it all together. You want to look like you're that good Christian. You have a perfect family. You make great money. You have a good job. Everything is always up and to the right. You have a vacation home. You get to go and have wonderful expeditions. You have the cool new truck. You wear all the beautiful clothes. 
but on the inside. People really knew you. They were at home with you. They'd see who you really are. It's not worth living that way. You can make yourself look good, and maybe you feel good about that. But what does that get you? What's in the inside? That's what really matters. That's what counts for me. And I can just hear it. I can just hear it in Jesus' voice as he looked out at those people. And he may have said some harsh words to them, as in Matthew 23. But really inside, he was like, I've, I've reached out to you over and over again. I've offered you forgiveness. I've healed your sick. I've loved on those who are far from God. But yet still, you're broken. You're lost. And Jesus is saying the same thing maybe to you today. You say, I attend church, I'm good. I go there often. I give generously. I pray powerful prayers. I read God's word. I volunteer in the nursery, in cleaning. I do the dirty things that nobody else wants. See, you could be the greatest pastor, evangelist, missionary, a servant, hospitality. I mean, you could be the greatest, whatever it is that you, that you aspire to be as a Christian. You could be that. And God looks down and says, you're far from me. Your heart isn't where it needs to be. And I look at myself and I say the same thing. Why do I do what I do? It's a question we all have to ask ourselves. Why do I do what I do? And whether you're a Christian or not, I think that's a very important question to ask. Whether, whether you want to live for God or you don't want to live for God, your heart does matter. Who you are inside will dictate your life on the outside, whether you're a Christian or not. And so today, I believe that this question is for everyone listening today. Why do you do what you do? And you have to ask yourself that hard question. You have to think and process through that because your intent answers everything in life. You see, there's two, two reasons why we do what we do. It's either to earn approval. I have to do this. So for religious people, if I don't do this, if I don't read my Bible, if I don't go to church, if I don't give in the offering, if I don't sacrifice myself some volunteer position, if I, if I don't give myself all to the church, if I don't abandon my job and sell everything and go into the mission field, if I don't do that, I am not a good enough Christian. It's to earn God's approval or to earn other people's approval. If I don't do this, my parents are going to be so disappointed in me. 
My spouse will be disappointed. My boss will be disappointed. My teacher will be disappointed. I'll disappoint myself if I don't do this. So that kind of intent, that reason leads to destruction because you will never be approved by everyone or anyone. It's true. You can do everything in your power to successfully please fill in the blank, yourself, your loved one, your neighbor, your boss, whoever. But eventually, you will let them down because you are not God. You're not perfect. I don't care how hard you try, you will fail or you will hit the wall and burn out. You will. You can... I mean, I've been around enough young people. I myself was this way at one point, and I'm like, I can do it all, right? Like, I wanted to sell myself out and just go all out for God, right? I was there. I thought I could take the, the world by the horn and just dominate, and I did. But eventually, I failed. Eventually, I broke down. I hit a wall. I was a failure. And if the reason why you do what you do is to gain approval, it'll lead you down a path of absolute disappointment or disillusionment, which leads to absolute chaos. But the other reason that people do what they do is out of a heart of appreciation. I want to. I have desire to, a passion to, out of what God has done for me, I want to do whatever he asks, out of a heart of appreciation, out of, out of what my, my spouse has done, I want to love them with a whole heart, I want to love my kids, because they're my kids, and I love them, and, and it's not because I have to, it's because I want to, because it's something I have a desire to do out of a heart of appreciation and love. See, one's a negative, I have to. One is a positive, I want to. The difference between the negative and the positive is night and day. And that is my heart and passion for you today is to answer that question. And ultimately, my desire for every person listening is that out of a heart of a love for God, you will give your life to serve Him. Wholeheartedly, passionately, with fervor, with, with just an absolute, just all-out sacrifice because He gave you His life. He held nothing back. He didn't have to. He wanted to because he loves you. And I pray for you today that you will do the same and that God will give you the strength. God would give you the strength to live a life for him. And I encourage you. I encourage you, don't stop seeking him. Don't stop pressing in him. I listen to what Proverbs 27, 19 says, and 
and I would love to pray for you today. It says, as the water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. Who are you? What's inside? You see, I don't believe that a person can be whole until Jesus Christ is at the center of their life. No person, no thing in this world can fill that hole Jesus can fill. He created you. And that hole that you have inside of you is that desire to have a relationship with him, to be reunited with the one who created you. And as Jesus looks at these, these religious elite in the story today, that was his heart for them too. That they would have a relationship with Jesus. That they wouldn't keep having to do what they had to do in order to be right with God. And they would just let it all go. And out of a heart of love for him, they would say, I'm yours. Have a relationship with me. I am yours. That's what God wanted. That's what God has always wanted. And so today, my, my encouragement for you is to, to dig in to Jesus be real with him. Admit that your life is a mess without him. Even if you think you have it all together, understand you don't. You don't have it all together. You may have a bank account that looks good. You may have a job that looks good. But let me tell you, when it comes to the end of your life and you look around and you say money isn't everything. Every relationship that I've had has its downfalls. There, you need to have relationships, don't get me wrong, but they're always going to let you down. God never lets you down. He's always there for you. So will you give your life to him? Admit that you need him to save you from all this ugliness that you're in and that you want to make him the director of your life, what we call the Lord, the commander of your life. You will follow him. Tell him that. Tell him that in your own words. A prayer isn't some eloquent, you know, full of religious terms. A prayer is simply just telling God, I'm a mess. I believe that you died for me and made it possible for me to have a relationship with God again. I'm a mess. I need you to save me. And I want to follow you and make you the commander, the leader, the Lord of my life. In your own words, make that declaration today. And then find somebody. Find somebody to, to have this conversation with and say, what do I do with this? Find somebody, whether it's a friend, a coworker, a parent, a spouse, a, a child. Find somebody or contact us at our church. Find us at nexuschurchmn.com or if you're following on a social media, message us. Find a way to connect with somebody so that you can take those next steps because it doesn't always make sense. This world is so confusing and it tells you so many different things that you don't always understand. Sometimes it's a lie. Find somebody. Connect and do life together. Your heart to Jesus because that's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for.
So, Father, I pray for every person listening today, Father, that this, this proverb would ring true in their life, that their heart would reflect a person who's given their life to you. I pray that for every person. And maybe, maybe there's a person listening today, Father, who has given their life to you, but they've, they've fallen off the track and gotten religious and thought, maybe I just need to do these certain things to be right with God and I'm okay. That's not what you're looking for. You want a relationship with them. I pray that they would come back to you and just spend time with you, connecting to your word, the Bible, connecting to you through prayer, just spending time. God, I pray that for everybody listening. God, we just, we so desperately need you in our life. This world is not our home. Our home is with you in heaven. And I pray we'd come back to those things that really matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today, Nexus Church family, and I look forward to seeing you again soon.